Thank you for listening to Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. Buffalo What's Next is on summer break and will return with new content shortly. As we take this break, please continue to tune in to WBFO Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. and 9 p.m. for producers' picks of some of our favorite episodes of Buffalo What's Next. How can we afford not to talk about race? About education. About segregation. About humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. If we're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. On today's episode of Buffalo What's Next, Summertime Producer Picks, we look back at two segments from previous episodes. Thomas O'Neill White speaks with Denise Barr, who was recently heard from a previous episode with Jay Moran and Kelly Camacho from February 28th of this year. They pull back the curtain on tenant problems at Macaulay Gardens. Then we take a trip with Jay Moran to Niagara Falls, where he speaks with Eric Bordner about the snug anti-violence program from January 12th of this year. First, Thomas O'Neill White with Denise Barr and Kelly Camacho from February 28th of this year. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you for the invitation. Denise, can you give us a little bit of the background uh, regarding the renovations that have been going on at McCarley Gardens? Right. So what happened is initially there was another organizer who had been uh, working with a resident there that's like family to him. And he called me and said that um, he needed help because his job takes him out of the city. He travels a lot. And so he wanted me to come and take a look and see if I could weigh in and I could give help with that. And so we did that. Um, Going out there at the beginning, seeing how they had building materials that were laying out where children were playing. It wasn't fenced off. There were a lot of um, problems just even walking through the uh, units, seeing extension cords and wires hanging over people's windows and doors. It just didn't look right. And so because I have someone that I have a relationship with in McCarley, I went and I had a conversation with Tarmiko, and she was showing me the issues that were happening with her unit. Mm-hmm. And um, I began to go from there and walk around and have some conversations with some of the other residents through Tarmico and other people. And at that point, I said, you know, I need help with this because this is going to be a bigger project than I can manage. And that's when I called on um, Kelly from Citizens Action and asked her to come and to work with me. And just to backtrack a little bit, this is a $57 million project. Plus. Um, plus. Yes. $57 million that we know that uh, Governor Holkel announced in February of 2022. $57 million renovation project from McCarley Gardens Apartments, a substantial rehab project to an affordable housing development aiming to improve energy efficiency and the overall quality of life for residents living there. Um, Tarmiko, how long have you lived at McCarley and uh, when did you find out renovations were being planned? I lived at McCarley for 17 plus years. I They've been doing reno, renovation for on and off for a period of like 10 years. It finally came to head, and when we found out, it was like maybe 
two months into going into it, it was just like thrown on us. Thrown on you? Yes. Uh, who? How did you hear about it initially? That that oh hey, so and so is coming to make renovations to your apartment and apartments all over McCarley. They passed out flyers. Flyers? They didn't call. They didn't. No, sir. So so. How long until they actually started uh, renovations from when you got the initial flyer? Probably like maybe like three months. Three months? Yes, sir. And how did they did they say you need to move, you need to move your stuff? How did that work? Take me through that process. Okay, though, that was that's funny because I was told my unit was going to be like one of the last units to get done. Mm-hmm. They came in on me. I had nothing packed up. They came in and they just threw my stuff, broke a lot, damaged a lot of my things, and just put it in the basement. I'm living there. We were supposed to go to the hotel. We were supposed to be moved out while they did that. Had our own personal items put up in storage. That never happened. Who told you that they were going to put you up in a hotel? The management. Management? Yes. So no hotel, damaged yes. property, yes. broken property. Yes. How would you how would you describe your uh, the living conditions before uh, the renovations began? I mean, it was a lot of a lot of things that needed to be upgraded. But before the renovation, I would say that it was suitable, livable. Mm-hmm. And uh, you. You've been there for, what'd you say, 17 years? 17 plus years. Give me a glimpse of what life is like in McCarley Gardens. Quiet. It's a family orientation. Everybody know everybody there. Um, quiet, like I'd say. So. A lot of, lot of friends, a yes. lot of relationships built up over time yes. over there. Yes. When yeah, other residents that I've spoken to have said... Uh, that their property was roughly handled by movers. You have said that some even allege they had their property damaged or stolen. Um, can you can you talk a little bit more about that experience and and what the measures you've taken to you know get have some recompense to that? Okay, first of all, um, they moved. Like I say, they came in. I have asthma. I have MS, and I'm cancer that's in readmission so all of on top of all of that i'm living in my house while they're doing this renovation dust everywhere i mean it was un- very unlivable and then at the end i'm the one that was stuck cleaning they never cleaned up anything and denise do you want to add a little bit more to that from what you've heard from other residents well let me just backtrack for a second because when i came in and i had conversations with termico and I remember her telling me that um, they were supposed to come and do your unit, I think, in August. Yes. And instead they came in in June. Yes. So while she's emptying out um, cabinets, they're literally taking them down as she's emptying them standing there. Um, in terms of talking to other residents, I mean, common complaints. Everybody has the same issues, which makes the red flags come up, right? I mean, if everybody's having issues with paint, everybody's having issues with their windows, everybody's having the issues with their heating vents, mm-hmm. you know, common things. 
then you know that there's a problem. How would you say the renovations have gone? Are they still being done? Not to my apartment. Um, I can't speak on what's going on with everyone else's apartment. But as far as I know, my apartment is supposed to be done. But there's a lot of things that's going on with my apartment. Like, for instance, my daughter's ceiling is got water damage. It's cracking. I have cracked floors. My my door, I don't have a screen door because when the blizzard came, it broke it off. And they never put another, uh, another one up. So it's a lot of things that's going on. Where do we go from here, Denise, with Macarley Gardens residents to get a resolution that's fair to them? Well, you know, the issue for me is that after dealing with harassment and some bullying tactics from uh, people at St. John's, I was very adamant in the fact that I am going to continue to do the job that I'm supposed to do as the advisory council president. You know, when you have people questioning you and telling you, you know, um, you know what, what skills do you have, what authority do you have to come in and to do this kind of job, you know, I had somebody stop us when we were handing out flyers for a town hall and tell us we're on private property, we're not allowed to uh, give out any information. We have to go through their office, their rental office, and get permission to hand out the flyers. I mean, stupid stuff like that. So, I mean, for me, at the end of the day, I made a promise that I was going to work on behalf of these people and I was going to help them, and that's what I'm going to do. We are going to take a quick break, but you are listening to Buffalo What's Next. Thomas O'Neill White here with Denise Barr, the Fruit Belt Advisory Council President, Citizens Action, Citizen Action of New York, Community <laughs> Organizer Kelly Camacho, and Carly <coughs> Gardens resident Tarmiko Carter. We will be right back with you. Hey, I'm Michael Barbaro, host of The Daily. Every day around the world, New York Times journalists are digging into the stories of the day. On The Daily, we go deeper with our reporters to bring you more. More context, more insights, more voices, more of what you need to understand the news. That's The Daily from New York Times. Weeknights at 6 p.m. Hey, is this thing on? Test, test, one, two. Sounds great. Let's go. The podcast world is overflowing with more than 750,000 podcasts to choose from. But for great local podcasts, you can now go to one place, the new Amplify BTPM Pods app. Here you can discover content produced in Western New York and Southern Ontario, our own backyard. With a wide variety of genres to choose from, there is something for everyone. Listen to the best independently produced podcast in the region anywhere, anytime. Download the free Amplify BTPM Pods app wherever you get your apps and begin exploring your local podcast community now. Buffalo is home to many historical treasures, including architectural gems. Central Terminal affected everybody. Everybody from the common man to the movie star walked this concourse. Beloved community establishments. They might get a glimpse to see Lena Horne. Uh, they might... Uh, see Dizzy or Miles Davis, uh, you know, Charlie Parker. And homes for local sports teams. When we talk about an institution, Memorial Auditorium was an institution. The WNED PBS original production, Remembering Western New York, 
explore some of these iconic structures and their connection to people who live in the region. There was a time when Buffalo's Main Street was the focus of holiday shopping in Western New York. Watch Remembering Western New York now on YouTube. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And we're back. Thomas O'Neill White, excuse me, here with McCarley Gardens resident Tarmiko Carter, Citizen Action New York Community Organizer Kelly Camacho, and Fruit Belt Advisory Council President Denise Barr. Kelly, I wanted to bring you in to talk about uh, this evening's meeting with Council President Darius Pridgen. Um, a lot of letters from McCarley Gardens residents being written to the Common Council President. Tell us a little bit about uh, Tuesday's, tonight's meeting. Yeah, so tonight's meeting is definitely really significant for the folks here living at McCarley and the folks that have been involved. Um, McCarley Gardens is a very symbolic area. Um, it is historically for women and children to live affordably. Uh, in the city of Buffalo, affordable housing is all but disappearing. You you really can't find anywhere for under $1,000 anymore. Um, places with, with having pets, you know, it's disappearing. People not being able to afford security and down payments. Um, we don't make enough anymore to be able to afford good housing. And so for me, I got involved in McCarley when Miss Barr brought me in. And really what I was able to see just immediately coming in was that every Everybody's having very similar problems. They're very consistent across the board, whether it's it's gapping floors or there are cabinets with screws sticking out um, or uh, the vent that was installed on the microwave not being properly installed and therefore causing a draft from uh, outside to right in directly into folks' kitchens, not being able to heat food. It's just a very poorly done project all across the board. But what I've also noticed is that a lot of residents are uncomfortable with speaking up, um, knocking on doors. They, they're hesitant to address some of the problems. Folks will be like, we're not having any problems. But then, you know, you dig a little more and it, it ends up being like peeling paint and mold in the bathroom. It's just so many different things all come out. And people are afraid to speak up because this is, this is Section 8 housing for the most part. It is subsidized housing. It's affordable housing. Folks can't afford to live anywhere else. Right. So a lot of folks feel that if they complain, they're going to get kicked out and they're not going to have anywhere else to go. Um, folks like Tarmiko that were living in open renovations, some people ended up having to live in their cars. Um, it's all very inappropriate. Like this is a quality of life issue. Um, mm -hmm. Being poor does not mean you don't get to have a safe and healthy place to live. Um, and so that's why we took it to Council Pridgen tonight. We mm -hmm. want to feel that folks have a way to voice their concerns and that they're not going to be penalized. And so bringing residents together, there is an exceptional amount of strength in numbers. And so tonight we, we have our letters that have been signed by residents that we're going to be addressing. And then we're also going to have some residents give testimony about just what living here at McCarley has been like. And so I think it is going to be a very significant meeting to be in attendance or. And I wanted to ask the three of you uh, also about tonight's meeting. What do you what would you like to hear from the Common Council president? Well, I don't you know, it's it's not the issue with the pre Common Council president. It's the issue with the developers and the people that have been doing the renovations because you know, hearing 
that people have been told consistently by uh, management, by the project manager, that they ought to be grateful. You know, you ought to be grateful that we're 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 doing anything for your your housing. I mean, very inappropriate conversations that have happened. A lot of bullying tactics, and. I want them to, all I said from the beginning is I want them to do right by these people. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing for them, do that. If you would just do right by these people, I can stand back and go on and do the other things I have to do. I'm not doing this because it's fun. We're doing this because it's necessary. We need to make sure that these residents are taken care of. Kelly? Management has not been receptive to our being present and working with residents. Um, so I think our biggest takeaway for tonight is the expectation that management will show up and they will show up in good faith, ready to do work for these residents. And it's St. John's. That's the. So there is a third party um, LLC management company, um, but it is directly presided over by uh, Oak, Michigan. Michael Chapman and St. John's. St. John's. Okay. Where does where do where do Oak Michigan and uh New York City based uh what is it? BFC? Where do they stand? When we have had interactions with the developer, um there wasn't much accountability. Uh it was definitely a lot of wanting to do the right thing on paper, but seeming very out of touch. They are a Brooklyn based developer. Mm -hmm. Um so every week uh what what is it? The project manager, the project yeah, manager, he gets yeah. flown in, flown in every week, flown back out when the work is done. Very nice. Um, so something just very out of touch, doesn't know what the city of Buffalo needs at all. Yeah, I think it makes a big difference when you're dealing with people who've never really had that Buffalo experience in terms of really living here. Yeah, no you know, stakes in the community. In, yeah, I mean, they come in to do the job and then they leave on Fridays and they go back to, you know, another place entirely. And so how do you have any kind of attachment or, or feeling for what needs to be done if you're, you know, coming from somewhere else? You really, you're just there to do the, the work that you're told to do and move on. So how do we hold these people accountable? Well, how we hold them accountable is that we contact these residents, continue to have the conversations, stand our ground when we're being bullied. You know, we take these letters to Common Council and have them filed and recorded and have councilmen step in to be the mediator. I'm not trying to fight with anybody. I just want them to do the job that they were paid to do. $57 million at the very least. Yep. At the very least for this project. And given what residents have said about the work that was done, do you believe the entirety of the $57 million was, at the very least, was spent specifically on renovations? I believe that they have cut a lot of corners because they're trying to pull most of that money into phase two. That's what I believe. I believe that that is going to be their jewel, and that's what they're moving towards. They want to wrap up on, on the work that has been done, whether there's been renovations that they were supposed to come back and finish or not. They're trying to move on to that phase two tower so that they can continue to make the money and build their profit off of that. Okay, so let's let's get into phase two. What is phase two? What is, what's being done at St. John's Tower? 
Well, that's interesting. I They had had a meeting. They called a meeting, um, public meeting with the residents. I did go, and I hear, you know, all the lovely stories about how they're doing great things with these residents, and the work is going terrific, and... You know, they're looking to do this phase two tower where the people that have been there, like Charmico, for this period of time are not even going to have access to those amenities in the tower. You know, brand new gym and state of the art kitchens and all kinds of other things that they're looking to do there. And the people that have been there won't be able to use them. Now, automatically, that's not right. You know, um, parking, the, the city, as far as I know, has blocked them because of the way that they have looked to structure the parking. You know, that's not even something I had to step in and I had to try to work on. So if the city is pushing back, that tells you that there's another issue there that's going on. You mentioned doing well by the people, that that's what needs to happen. Yep. But is there, is there specifics to what that may look like? The specifics for me are that the people that are living in those units are happy with the work that's being done. At the end of the day, once those doors are closed, they feel comfortable where they are and the money has been spent the way it's supposed to be spent. That's what it means to me. Now, for someone that's living there, it may be a different situation. Yeah, Tarmiko, let's, uh, let's, let's get your opinion on that. Go right ahead. Could you repeat the question, please? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, Denise mentioned doing well by the people, doing right by the people. Um, what would you like to see moving forward? How would you like to? How would you like your concerns about what happened in your living space addressed? Well, with with my well, what I would like to see is, I would like to see the job done the right way. You know, not a rush job, not an improper job, a job done the right way. I felt that they just came in and they rushed it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that no one should have to live like that, like Denise says. We shouldn't have to live like that. And Kelly? Yeah, so for me, I definitely feel that McCarley is a very important symbolic location. Um, it's affordable housing. It has highway on one side, parking garage on the other, and then medical campus on the other. Um, I think that McCarley Gardens needs to be insured as affordable housing for the future. I would love to see McCarley Gardens always being an affordable housing complex. One of my fears locally is that it seems like McCarley Gardens is being set up for student housing. Um, right. There's not a lot of money in affordable housing. Right, <laughs> You're right. not making a big bag off poor people, but there is a bag to be made. Uh, and so for me, with the downsizing of some of what these apartment sizings are looking like and the way that residents are currently being treated, it seems like they are trying to get as many residents out as possible. And I believe that either whether it's through selling the gardens or through just including student housing, whatever the shift may look like, um, I believe that McCarley Gardens is on its way to becoming student housing. And with, again, affordable housing disappearing in Buffalo, McCarley Gardens is a very symbolic place for what Buffalo is going to become. Right, right. Are we going to allow it to gentrify or are we going to allow it to be there for the people? And in all fairness, let me just say, I still have a member from the McCarley family that's living in the Fruit Belt. You know, so how much more meaningful is that for us to know that that legacy is still happening in our own neighborhood? 
it's not right, that they're not, you know, I don't think that they even are aware of how Macaulay Gardens came around, how that whole thing got structured in the first place. And, you know, if, if you're not even investing in the history of black Americans in this city, that speaks volumes, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's very inappropriate. The whole thing just feels, feels bad. That was Thomas O'Neill White with Denise Barr and Kelly Camacho from February 28th of this year. We'll be right back with Jay Moran speaking with Eric Bordner from January 12th of this year. I'm Kraus Shalahorn with Mindful Music. Join me for thoughtful and in-depth conversation with my many different guests from around the region and the world as they discuss how music helps and heals in times of stress and everyday life. Listen to Mindful Music Saturdays at 4 p.m. right here on WVFO, your NPR station. Watch the WNED PBS original production, The Great Erie County Fair. We were brought up on the fair. You know, that was the place to go, the thing to see. Celebrate 175 years of the excitement and competitive spirit of the fair, The Great Erie County Fair. Now streaming on YouTube and the PBS video app. The warrior tradition tells the inspiring, heartbreaking, and largely untold story of Native Americans in the U.S. military. Why would indigenous men and women put their lives on the line for the very government that took their homelands? A lot of people ask, why did you join the white man's war? This is our home. This has always been our home. And part of the commitment to protecting and defending your home led to military service. Hear stories of service and pain, of courage and fear in the warrior tradition, now streaming on YouTube. This is Buffalo What's Next where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. Here at the Community Missions on uh on Buffalo Avenue in the city of Niagara Falls to talk about the SNUG program in Niagara Falls, a recently started program with us uh, from Community Missions, Eric Bordner, the Vice President of Specialized Service and Services, rather, and Hassan Ford, who is the Program Manager for SNUG. Gentlemen, thanks very much for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Yes. Uh, let's first get into this idea about what SNUG is. Let's talk about what that specifically is and how it works. Okay, so SNUG is spelled guns backwards. What we, what we want to do is bring hope to our community. Um, like today, SNUG, when it comes to SNUG, we want, to, we want people to understand that we are here uh, for a purpose and, and we are here to bring change. What we do is we, reduce, we work to reduce gun violence in our community by mediating conflict. We work with the highest individuals who are the highest risk of shooting or being shot, shot themselves. Uh, what about, um in terms of the problem itself. Gun violence, we can make it a very general pro uh, problem. We could talk in Buffalo about gun violence. We could go to the Bronx. We could go to other cities around the, uh, the, the state in that regard. But what about here in Niagara Falls? How specific can we get into what the issue is, is really about locally here? Well, like, um, like any disease, uh, we look for a cure. Niagara Falls, Snug, 
will be a part of the cure. Um, by mediating conflict, we send credible messengers into our communities, you know, people who have credibility with other people in our communities, uh, to, to mediate conflict, to talk with people, to find out how we can make, make it better um, when it comes to uh, uh, the violence that's in our community. Well, Eric, what about from a community missions standpoint? You know, if you guys have a lot on your plate, and this is my first time to your facility here, and I can see, and this is an active place for sure here, now going into this SNUG program and taking that on as well, what's, what's behind that? You know, I've, I've been around for about 15 years with community missions, and, and w when I started, I um, specifically started bringing uh, reentry services to, to the area, and that was geared towards individuals, I like to call them returning citizens, returning to the city of Niagara Falls. Uh, that's another big state initiative, you know, reentry services, having things in place. And over, you know, the, the last decade, it's kind of grown our reentry services to, to various different programs, uh, to some specific housing programs, to uh, workforce development programs geared strictly towards um, returning citizens. Uh, when it was announced by the state that there was uh, monies available for SNUG in, in, in Niagara Falls, uh, recognizing that it is an issue, it, it is an issue in our city. Um, unfortunately, it's an issue in our city. And because Community Missions has the partnerships with providers, uh, has the credibility in the community, we've been around um, for so long that, you know, the community knows us, the community um, knows that if we're involved that we're going to do everything we can uh, to to do what we say we're going to do for whatever program we're running. So to me, it was a no-brainer. It's something we had to address right. um, in our city. It was community missions. It was the perfect agency um, to do it. We had kind of the the outline in place, anyways, for a lot of the things that Snug does. That's right. So it it just seemed like it was a, it was a perfect fit for us. Absolutely. If one person gets wounded by a gun that's a bad thing. Somebody gets killed, that's worse. But are there or incidents of recent times here in Niagara Falls where the problem hit a, a nerve maybe a little bit more? Uh, can we maybe talk, talk about examples of, of that that might, might you know, reach that? I think, I think you can't pinpoint it because I think every time somebody get hit um, by a bullet or every time somebody die from a bullet it hits a nerve so you can't you can't pinpoint just one because everybody lives matter you know what I'm saying so it doesn't um, I can't um, tell you that and then uh, and, and when it comes to the victim's privacy you know I don't want to uh, disclose that as well sure um, but I can say that you know when it comes to the issues in our community we're, we're definitely working on it so okay uh, uh, that uh, just to follow that that along though just a, a little bit is there a, a section of the community that's being more impacted than others when it comes to gun violence? Absolutely. We have, so uh, again, we have a high risk area that we work on daily. We canvass that area daily. We hand out flyers in the area daily. Uh, we um, uh, befriend people in that area daily. We had this thing what we call a vetting system. And what we do is we uh, befriend people for about a month and a half and then we bring them on as participants. And as a participant, it's a program that they will come into where they will learn different uh, job skills, maybe get a resume, uh, get back into school. You know, so it's like putting down the guns and picking up something else. You, when you put anything down, you have to fill that void in. But we want to fill that void with something good instead of something bad, you know. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Eric. I mean, Niagara Falls is, is such a small community. Um, although it, it, it's a, 
considered, I guess, a, a major city in this area. It's still a very small city. It's a small community. It's a community that's largely based up of, uh, you know, poverty. Um, and, and that's, you know, where we are centralizing our services, where we're focusing, targeting, it's right in that area of the most underserved individuals. Because that does lend a lot into gun violence and the right. gun violence that we're trying to target specifically. Right. And also when I say, when, you, when I talk about community, I'm not talking about the black and brown, I'm not talking about the white or the native or even the Hispanic. I'm talking about Niagara Falls as a whole. That is our community. So when we work on our community, I talk about that. Now, when you talk about neighborhoods, <laughs> that's something different, right? Sure, sure. But when it comes to our community, we want to try to bring the beauty back into our community. Back in, especially Niagara Falls. I mean, we're talking about the wonder of the world versus Niagara Falls, Canada to America. We want right. to bring that beauty back over here as well. So. Right. And then, then take me, then, Hassan, if you can, or Eric, about you use the word canvas. Canvas. You know, when we think of canvas, we, uh, uh, politicians going door to door and and trying to, to drum That's up exactly votes. Exactly. Please. Yeah. So what we do, we have uh, our, our palm cards, and we have also cards. We walk door to door. Uh, we knock on some doors. Some people are reluctant to open their doors. Uh, we leave cards on, maybe on on their um, inside the door slot. We're working on door knockers at, at this time to just hang doors, door knockers on the on the doorknobs. Uh, we talk. We stop at stores. We talk to business owners. Um, so we're walking, we're footing out there in the cold right now. As a matter of fact, I got to get our team some hand warmers. But uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a job, man. So we're very passionate about what we do, and I'm so grateful to Eric because of his passion. Um, he, I, I guess, people uh, people attract who they are to them, right? So. Uh, I, he must. I must. Um, he must have attracted me to him, and the team I attracted is like me as well. So we're all like similar, like when it comes to that passion and want to push forward and want greatness to come out of things that are so uh, that doesn't seem correct. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. One of the important things to note that fall in line with the canvassing is the team, our outreach team. The science is our team, uh, our outreach team, who are so important in all this. They're made up of members of the community. In right. order to be a part of that team, you have to be from this community. That's right. You have to have a level of credibility in the community. How do you, uh, do you expand on that credibility? What mean? What does that mean? So, so if somebody, they need to be recognized in the community. They need to be recognized amongst the population we're targeting. So it could be individuals that we hire that have a history of, of gun violence, mm -hmm. that have a, somewhat of a criminal history, but they don't necessarily have to have that but they have to be recognized. So if they show up on, on the corner of 19th and whatever, and there's a group of young individuals there, that those young individuals recognize them as somebody that, that they can kind of jive with and, and understand. Because there's a difference between even myself walking up on a group of young kids compared to Hassan. Mm -hmm. He's got more street credibility than I do. Um, you know, I have a different kind of credibility in the community. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so important to have a team that we call credible messengers. They're our outreach team, but they're credible messengers because they have a message to share and they have to have credibility to the people we serve. Right, and the majority of the, majority of the teams across the state do have a past, they, but their lives have been completely changed around. And that's what makes them so credible in the streets today. Uh, they, I remembered you. I remember you like five years ago, man. How you, your life was? Wow, look at you now, right? You was a thug. You was a straight gangster. <laughs> look at you now, man. How did you do that, right? And then, so that's the opportunity for me to start vetting that person and bringing them close to me. Let me talk to you for a second. Come here. We have to take a short break. We'll be right back with more Buffalo. What's next on WBFO? 
check out the Our Town series produced by WNED PBS, but captured by community members on the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel. Ellicottville is a town of variety, not only in what they have to offer, but the people. The Burlington community is uh, becoming increasingly multicultural, and the library is reflecting that. The parks and playgrounds have been what makes the town of Tonawanda a great place to grow up. The series began in 2003, but it's making its debut on YouTube now. Although some of the businesses and people may have changed over the years, the spirit of these wonderful towns remain the same. We just didn't realize what we had in our own backyard. We need the next generation to protect it and carry on. Learn about Jamestown, Burlington, Wellen, East Aurora, and more than a dozen other beautiful communities in our region by watching the Our Town series now on YouTube. I, w I would live there. <laughs> WNED Classical has been conducting interviews of their own on YouTube with the classical music community. Have you ever wondered what goes into the performances you hear on WNED Classical? Head on over to our Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube page to see the collection of interviews that we've orchestrated. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. We're talking with Hassan Ford and uh, Eric uh, Bordner uh, from uh, Community Missions. Eric's the uh, uh, Vice President of Specialized Services. Hassan is the program manager for their SNUG program here in Niagara Falls, a gun violence reduction program. I'm really interested in those reactions, uh, Hassan. Like you said, okay, there's a group of kids uh, on a corner, and uh, you, you want to make sure that you interact with them to a certain extent. Talk about how that experience is. We do all the time. Again, so uh, we're on the corners. As a matter of fact, we have a uh, one corner that's constantly flooded every single evening. You know, uh, people are staring around. I'm sure there's different conversations that are happening, but we try to blend in too. Then they know who we are, and it makes them uncomfortable. You know, I get it. You know, um, we're here. We're not the police. Don't. We are definitely not the police. Right. We don't. We we're not. In, you know, we're a different entity from that. But when we walk into that, walk into those areas, the, they know that we mean business. They know that we're here. Uh, to make change, so they, they listen, they, they want to know about us, they want to be a part of it, they, well how can I be an outreach worker and so forth and so on, right? So it makes a difference us standing in those corners, man, it makes a major difference. It does, I, I think just to follow that then is, if you're there, by being there, eventually you get a certain level of acceptance. Absolutely, well, we get, a, we get that level of acceptance regardless, but by them seeing the uniform that we're wearing, even more so, and what we're doing, even more so, absolutely. I think you made a good point by when you said eventually. Uh, it, this isn't something that happens on the first visit or the no. second visit. And one of the things that's important is to keep being there, to keep coming back. Yes, because that builds trust, and that's what drives everything in this is trust. trust. If they yeah. can get trust from the participants, they're more likely to pay attention to what they say. Right. A lot of the individuals we serve have heard over and over in their life that I, I can help you, I'll help you, and yes. then there's that help's not there yeah. not the next week. And the one important thing that, that we talk about all the time 
and the we we live by as snug in Niagara Falls is your if you say you're going to be there you're going to be there and how are you going to be there is to be there every day so that that same individual sees you every day and says you know for the first five ten times oh my god they're back how annoying but then that the 11th time they might say wait a minute they yeah. do care they do really care about us and you know i want to know what 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 this is all about and i want to build a relationship with them because there's so much that snug can do to help our community and there's so much that we have planned to do that they can help the community and it, it really goes back to eventually gaining the trust yeah. from the community you just took me back a bit when you uh talked about that that consistency piece about uh, you saying you're going to be there and you be there because i can remember being a, as a child waiting for my father to come home uh and he's supposed to come home but he never does come home and the the way i felt as a kid that disappointment you know what i'm saying that uh, no one's really caring and so I kind of fell away just now when you mentioned that just now. It took me back there, right? So I'm sure that's what they're feeling is also. So that's why we want to be consistent. That's why we want to continue to keep coming back, keep coming back. We, we do the same areas every single day. Really? Every day. Because that's that's, that's, this is our high-risk uh, areas. So we're there every single day. Yeah. Just to spread the word, man, and spread some love. So, yeah. You get to know uh, people on the first name basis? Absolutely. Yeah, and Absolutely. they know you. Absolutely. I'm, well, for me, I'm called Unk. Uh, me and another guy, we're, they're called Carl Unk. Some guy called me Big Broke, some, you know, I'm a big guy, but most of the guys call me Unk. Okay, yeah. all right, for sure. Um, what about, what, what do we understand about, and I, I, I keep saying kids, but I just have this image in my mind, right. you know, young folks who, uh, who just, whatever reason, you know, things aren't going well at home, not going well at school, whatever, and they find their way into gun violence. What, what do we know about these kids? And again, you like before you said you don't want to be talking about victims and, and things right, like that. Right, but right. what 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 are, are some of the experiences that you're hearing about? Well, I know um, per CDC, uh, the Controlled Disease uh, Center, the ages between 15 to 24, um, they are our, our high risk okay. kids, right? They make up 10 percent of the population, but they also make up 63 percent of the homicides mm. in America, right? So um, those are the areas that we're working on right now. Uh, we're setting up an assembly with Niagara Falls to hit 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th graders. We're going to go in there and for an hour each, for each hour each class, and talk about who we are, what we do, and then our individual stories, because they're pretty powerful and impactful as well, where we were and how we, where we're at today. So. Do you mind sharing uh, maybe one of those individual stories? If it's not yours, maybe one of well, your... Well, I wouldn't share theirs on disclosing. Oh, okay, you know. fair enough. But, but for me, yeah, I was an ex-drug addict for 20 years. I robbed Sears in Niagara Falls um, about uh, 15 years ago um, for trying to get drugs. Uh, Eric known me for coming through community, community missions for about 15, 20 years as well. Um, uh, being homeless, eating out of garbage cans, um, eating off the streets, sleeping in uh, vacant alleys, um, um, vacant buildings, going crazy in the streets from um, overdosing. And today, uh, well then, um, I've got, I went through Narcotics Anonymous and asked God help. I prayed and asked God to deliver me. And today it's been, um, I have 10 years clean. Um, I'm actually a business owner today. You know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna plug myself right now. Um, I What's work, the business? Why don't you plug it? Let's plug. My wife and I own Enchanted Florist in Lewiston and Niagara Falls. Uh, I also own a gym um, called Body by Ford. And then, and then um, Eric saw fit to hire me as a program manager for this program here. So my life is way different. So that's why I'm so passionate about people telling me, oh, I mean, it's, it's going to be the same. It's nothing's going to change. It will change. 
If you put the energy into that change, it's gonna it's gonna happen. But if you don't do nothing, if you don't change nothing, nothing's gonna change. So you have to make that first step into making a change. Hassan, that, I mean, that's a, a, a um, it's a great story for sure. And can you reflect? I mean, you said going through Narcotics Anonymous, yes. and and uh, sounds like divine intervention as Absolutely. well. But but what's the diff what was the difference between Hassan before that and who you are right now? Hassan before that, before this, this that Hassan had a lot of self-pity, uh, self-centered, selfish. I felt like the world owed me everything and they owed me nothing. Um, I was lazy. I wanted things the easy way. I just didn't care about life in general. You're listening to Buffalo What's Next. More to come right after this on WBFO. Not sure what you want to watch tonight? We've got you covered. Visit WNED.org slash TV schedule to see what's on WNED PBS, WNED Create, and WNED PBS Kids. Click the primetime button to see what's on tonight. You can also search for your favorite programs in the search bar or look for programs by date and time. Visit WNED.org slash TV schedule and start making your viewing plans now. Watch Buffalo's Voices of Steel on YouTube. The original WNED PBS production captures the legacy of the steel industry in Western New York through the voices of the people who worked in the mills. Anybody who never saw the steel plant in operation missed something. I always told my kids that they really missed to see what it was like to make steel. Through remembrances of the workers, Buffalo's Voices of Steel showcases the pride Western New York still feels about its steel producing past. Watch it now on the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there. Take your favorite radio stream anywhere you go with the WBFO The Bridge app. Search the playlist for that great song you just heard. I don't care about you, it's Friday, I'm in love. Use the Talk to Us feature to tell us what you think about The Bridge and press the red Join the Crew button to become a Patreon member to support College Radio for Adults. Find the WBFO The Bridge app wherever you get your apps. Buffalo Toronto Public Media's unique and valued programming on WNED-PBS, WNED-Classical, and WBFO make us a perfect partner for any company interested in making a real difference in our community. Your support has the power to associate your business with one of the most trusted brands in North America. Call me, Sylvia Bennett, to find out how you can make a difference. 716-845-7005. Listen to Buffalo What's Next weekday mornings at 10 a.m. on WBFO or on the WBFO app. Use the Talk to Us feature to leave your questions and comments. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. Um, we're with uh, Hassan Ford and also Eric uh, Bordner from uh, Community Missions. Eric's the Vice President of Specialized Services. Hassan uh, is the Program Manager for their SNUG program, the uh, anti-gun uh, violence program here in Niagara Falls. Relatively new, it was a program that was here, went away because this is a state-funded program. And th this is an interesting part of it. There is a level of accountability involved here 
if you don't get the results, you don't get the funding. Absolutely. There's, there's uh, certain metrics that uh, we have to, to follow, um, certain amount of participants that they need to provide services to. We have to do community events every month. We have to have a community event. We have to have a participant event uh, every month, and those are a little different from each other. Um, because we're so new, we're still building our, our participants. Uh, you know, really come February is where they will start pressing a little harder to start rounding up participants. And those participants are the individuals, like Hassan had said a little bit earlier, uh, individuals who have the highest propensity to gun violence or be a victim of gun violence. Mm -hmm. And like today, we are hosting our open house, and that's a, our large community event for the month. And and this is a, a, a relatively new outreach center, is that right? Or? It's our brand new building yes. um, on Pine Avenue in Niagara Falls, which uh, basically intersects our target area right down the middle. Um, and so we're right in the center of the mix on where, uh, you know, there is the, the highest risk, amount of yeah. and highest risk of gun violence. And we're, we're really just trying to show off our new building because that's going to be important down the road for participants and for the community. Uh, to know that we're there right in the heart of the things. Um, our new building will be able to be used by participants, yes. uh, by the community. So we want to say, hey, we're here, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to try to do it. Um, uh, so, yeah, so the, there's there's a lot of things that the this, this state really pays attention to this. This is a, a big push from, from New York State mm. for obvious reasons. Right. Uh, like you uh, had said that, you know, New York State, no matter – Name a big city, and there's likely a, a, an issue with gun violence mm -hmm. in, in that city. Uh, Niagara Falls is no different than the Bronx, um, maybe yes. in size and in amounts, certainly, that's but <laughs> right. that's about it. But if you consider our size and our amounts of, of gun Volume, violence, yeah. you know, it, it adds pretty close to the sure. same. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, there is metrics we have to follow. There is, you know, money that needs to be spent, and it needs to be spent on the right things, and Absolutely. that's... And that's events with the community that's taking participants to a football game a hockey game a concert change, yeah. yeah showing them that there is a, a life outside of of yeah. the the streets yeah. and and playing with guns Absolutely. and and because a lot of our our individuals that that we plan to serve they don't necessarily know that there's a difference you know hassan's story and many other people's stories of going from a tragedy to triumph not every individual has that but they don't and they don't know that they don't know that they have worth outside of right. of what they're doing whether they're in a gang that's or powerful. just running with with a crew of individuals yeah, that's powerful. Uh, um, they don't know that and that's what we're here yeah. to do and that's the driving force of mm -hmm. snug is to let our community members know specifically individuals with the propensity to be involved with guns in some way that there is changes that can be made, um, and, and we're here to help. We're here, and we're going to keep being here to help you. Ironically, um, again, he keeps he keeps saying something that that, that, <laughs> that triggers things to me. Ironically, um, the building that we're in um, was a bakery that got robbed constantly. So we 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 happen to be a gun violence prevention program. We're in that building now. So. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> talking about going full circle, right? Right, uh, for sure. I, there's a narrative out there, um, and I'm just curious from guys who are now seeing this on the ground level that the problem has gotten worse in 
New York State. I guess that's been the narrative. Do you find that, or is it just kind of the same as it's always been, or is it getting better? What, 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 how do you rate things right well, now? Well, um, so people, so, um, so I did a training, and it talked about people are saying that people are dying daily. There's shootings daily. And we're in the midst of it. There's there's no shooting daily. People are not dying daily. Maybe once every two weeks. Maybe okay. you know once every three weeks. So I mean, some people take things out of character. Some people ex, uh, absolutely. And that's why I wanted to yeah, get no, this from you. Yeah, no, a lot of stuff is, is exaggerated, especially uh, when it comes to misinformation. So people mis misinformed people misinformed people, right? If I get wrong information from you, I'm going to give it to someone else. Now we're all misinformed, right? So yeah, I, I think that's exaggerated. Okay, and then just, I was curious also about this. So when there is a shooting, is that now all of a sudden a target for you? Absolutely, yeah. When there's a shooting, we wait about two days and then we um, set up our shooting um, response team. Um, that's made up with some uh, some clergy people in our community, uh, community members as well, and, and then the snub team, um, which it, which is all of us. Uh, we on the bullhorn, we're shouting out. Stop shooting. We want to live. And they repeat what I say or repeat whoever's saying that. Uh, no more mothers crying. No more babies dying. They repeat the same thing back and forth. We're there for about 20 minutes, man. And it is powerful and it is strong and it definitely works. Do you feel, are you seeing kids come to you, come to your message? You're, you're sensing that, that, you know, this kid who you met two months ago on the street corner hanging out with his friends, all of a sudden maybe is... He's finding uncle a little bit more of a, an attractive person to talk to. So again, we're just starting out right now. Gotcha. Um, although we're in the schools right now, people are, are the kids are like want to know who we are and what we do in the schools at this point. But as far as being on the street streets, not just not not gotcha. yet. But I'm sure in, in, in others, snugs in some other cities, I'm sure there's that's what's happening right now. Yeah. Okay, All you right. know, it's important to add to that. You know, when there is a a shooting one of the other important things is quick response and that's because our team the snug program can offer a lot of things not just to the the victim but the victim's family as Absolutely. well um you know there's a lot of things that you know our social worker and our team can help with um both financially um support you know emotional support and you know but the financial piece is a big thing um you know for an example Funeral expenses is something mm. that, that we could possibly help with. Um, obviously, nothing's a guarantee in, in this world when it comes to, um, you know, money and availability of money, but there's, it's always something that we can, we can help with. Um, relocation, Asan had talked about. Um, the other important part of quick response is the mediation piece, to be the eyes and ears. If there's a shooting, um, our team should be responding to that shooting immediately to right. the scene, to the hospital, because they want to be there to support the families, the friends, but they also want to be listening for, is there a, a thought of retaliation? Absolutely. And how do, we, how do we mediate that? And we're trained, they're trained in mediation techniques on, on how to mediate that. And, and talking to the other side that might, may or may not be involved, but associates or family might think they were involved, saying, hey, this can't get out of hand. We can't let this get out of hand. You know, let's let's figure out what the root of the problem is and, and address it. Absolutely. So there, there's there's so many important pieces for Snug, from the time a shooting happens to well after. Our team attended a funeral of a recent homicide victim, mm -hmm. and uh, the family was so gracious to know that they were there to support them. 
you know, one of the individuals on the team uh, knew the family, uh, but most of the individuals didn't really know them. But for the family to see that, holy, holy cow, there's, you know, this snug, they were there. They're, you know, there to show their support. Absolutely. Um, and, that's, and that's a big piece of that is support for the families, for the victims. While trying to do our part to to um, stop any uh, you know further violence associated with that. Yeah, so that's that hope piece again that we want to bring to the community because uh, a lot of times people feel hopeless. Uh, so when they see our our logo or see us in the community, there's hope. So yeah, uh, you talked about the outreach center on Pine Avenue. It's a former bakery where there were I was being held up uh, with a certain amount of frequency. Uh, how about just a little bit about this facility right here on Buffalo Avenue, uh, Eric, if you could. Um, driving down the road here, now coming inside and, and seeing it for myself, this is a real interesting use of a, of a, a space that had been here for a while. Yeah, uh, it used to be uh, two different motels owned by brothers. I'm not sure the exact year, but that, uh, you know, when we bought, we had bought the one side of the building and then a uh, year or so after, a few years after, bought um, the other the other motel and then connected them down the middle with a walkway. We are Niagara County's uh, largest homeless shelter. We have 40 beds, 40 to 45 beds. Uh, we also serve as Code Blue um, in the winter months for individuals. We are also the uh, one of the largest uh, community kitchens um, and certainly the largest food pantry. Um, in the city of Niagara Falls and Niagara County. Uh, we have, uh, community missions is a lot. Uh, I think we were, we were talking the other day, we're up to like 22, 23 different programs um, that community missions operates from, from homeless to ex-offender based to snug to residential programs for the mental health population, uh, youth programs. Uh, we have a, a, a home for youth in um, Lockport. Uh, we just recently opened a transitional housing here in Niagara Falls that is targets youth. So we just have an abundance of programs mm -hmm. um, for individuals. And this building, you know, like you said, driving by it, it looks like it still looks like the motels sure, from sure. the past. Right. Um, the Ivanhoe and the, the Ivanhoe and the Hiawatha. Hiawatha. Right. Yeah, right. Yep. Right. Um, but there's a lot here, and there's a lot of, of love for the community and support for the community yes. in this building. Yes. Yes. And then uh, the final question, then I'd like to use this in a lot of our interviews, and I'll throw this one at Hassan. What does uh, Niagara Falls need? What does it need? Niagara Falls. To me, Niagara Falls need more love. We need more connection with each other. That's what we need. Eric Bordner and uh, Hassan Ford, thanks very much for joining us on Buffalo What's Next. Thank, thank you, you again for having us. Yes, thank you. And that will do it for today's Summertime Producer Picks episode. We would like to thank our guests, Denise Barr, Kelly Camacho, and Eric Bordner. If you missed this and you'd like to hear it again, a reminder that this program is a podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts or the new Amplified BTPM app. And each episode is available online on demand at WBFO.org. This is WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WBJ Jamestown, your NPR station. This is Charles Gilbert. Thanks for listening. <laughs>